Hi, everyone. Welcome to They Had Fun. I'm Rachel, and I'm back with another amazing story about New York City. But as we know, first and foremost, it's Rachel's Rex. And I had an idea this week. I thought it would be fun if for Rachel's Rex, I showed you what a curated day from They Had Fun could be like. So this is a little plug, but I think everyone's really going to like this. So as you know, for They Had Fun, we do curated day planning, and you tell us your interests in all of those things, and we put together a day for you in New York City. Visitors, people who live here, turned out to be a big hit with husbands and boyfriends who don't know what to plan. So here we go. This is for a client who wants to explore an outer borough, wants to be super active, wants to walk, loves Italian food, and wants the vibe to be a bit classic New York. So with those things in mind, here we go. You're going to get off at Court Square in Long Island City. This whole day is going to be in Long Island City, Queens. And you're going to start at Concept Coffee on 11th Street. It's a cute little coffee shop. They have everything you could want, little snacks. It's really cute inside. And most importantly, it is directly across the street from the cliffs at Long Island City on 44th Drive. Okay. There's no other way to put it. This place is massive. It's huge. It's wonderful. You can rock climb in there. You can boulder. You can get a day pass. It's so fun. I, I've been several times. You're going to get some physical activity in, but you're not going to be super sweaty at the end of it. If you are, there's showers there. But you can, you know, just change back into your other clothes and go have the rest of your day. It's it's not like you're going for, you know, a 10-mile run. And the place is just, I don't know, it's huge. It, I can't believe it exists in New York City. It is a sight to be seen just for that. You're going to go to the cliffs. You're going to have a great time there. Okay, so after that, you're going to walk down to Jackson Avenue and you're going to go to Levante because you've probably built up the appetite or the thirst for a little afternoon cocktail or drink. And Levante has a beautiful bar. You can sit there. You can get some sort of spritz. You can get a glass of wine. They have little snacks if you're feeling peckish. And it's just a really cute place. Okay. After that, you're going to turn down Jackson Avenue and you're going to walk to MoMA PS1. That has three, count them, three individual wonderful shows for you to go see. Okay. We're not going to list them all, but they are incredible. You're going to want to see all of them. You can walk around. There's the indoors. There's the outdoors. And you're spending your afternoon at a great New York City art institution. I love this building. I've gone there several times. It's just wonderful. Plus, they have a restaurant there if you want to stop and get another drink. I don't know. That's up to you. Okay, after that, because you don't have to be so regimented and planned and stick to everything, maybe you just want to walk around. There's a lot of great shops. This is where we leave part of it up for your own exploring. You don't just have to do everything we say. Maybe you want to walk around. Maybe you want to do a lap on a city bike. It's up to you. Don't feel like if you get one of these, you're super locked into everything. They're just things that are put in order in a way that we think you would like, but that you can explore. So you can you can stop into some stores. I have a suggestion, but I'm going to keep it to myself. But go do your own thing. See something that you like that you're going to have fun with. Lastly, it's time for dinner. It's time for classic New York. It's time for red sauce. Walk your ass down Jackson Avenue a little bit further south, and you are at Manducati's. It is... New York Italian as it should be. The room is interesting. The food is delicious. I mean, you're just going to have a great time. What do you think I'm going to say? Get a martini, get some, uh, you know, penne alla vodka, get whatever your favorite is, but you're going to have a great time at that place. And it's just a great day in Long Island City. Like I said, these are my Rachel's Recs. I've been to every single one of these places. I like them. But it also is a great way to put all of these together. If you don't know how can I go have a wonderful day in Long Island City, we can do it for you. But if you want to reach out and say, I want luxury as high as you can go. I want to stay in Manhattan and I want a French food. We can do that for you too. Trust me, I'm going out all of the time to have fun, to be able to spread the word of how fun New York City is. So Rachel's Recs this week, Concept Coffee, the Cliffs, 
Levante, MoMA PS1, Manducati's. <sighs> what a day. I got, every time I make one of these, I'm like, I want to go do this day. It just sounds so fun. Uh, sorry, it does. Okay. So let's get on to my guest today. I am so honored and excited to have him on the show. They just had a New York Times article featuring him and his music that was lost for the ages, but they have finally brought it back in a 10 volume series. That's how much music they found. Okay. Three over 300 songs. The first one is the love magician archives volume one. There will be nine more after this. He's an institution. He's a legend. He is a producer. He is a songwriter. He is an artist. He is a disco mastermind in quotes. That's what he's been called. Please welcome to the show. Richie weeks. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm ready to go. I think it would be a good time to tell all of the listeners that you had this incredible article in the New York Times that came out recently. You worked for the mail system for decades, but you also happened to be this prolific disco musician. You produce songs, you wrote songs, all of these things. Then after a while, you decided uh, to stop doing it and focus on a full-time job. And then years later, someone in France who was a huge fan of your music reached out to you and you guys started a connection. And it turned out you had all of your own music saved for the years you were doing it and you've shipped it off to him. And now they've re-released this record of yours, the Love Magician Archives. That's the condensed version of that story. But when I read the article, I thought, wow, like this is a New York legend. This is a New York story. And it's just a incredible story. And I guess if you have anything more to add to that, I'd love to hear about it. I was singing since I was around six years old. I went to a boarding school when I was that young. I think my parents were having a little difficulty. But anyway, when I went to the boarding <laughs> school, they had a talent show going on. And they said, uh, you want to do it? I said, do what? To sing. I, I, I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Six years old. I mean, okay. She said, okay, well, you got to learn this song. It's called In My Kitty Car. So I, I, I learned this song. And then the night of the thing, I, I went out there on stage. I was scared. They said, okay, here he is, you know. And I started singing. <laughs> and then after I started singing, they started whooping and clapping and, oh, he's great, blah, blah, blah. So right then and then I knew, I said, wow, I'm a star, or at least I'm going to be a star. That helped out quite a bit. And then as I got older, my father put me in a studio and he had a song called uh, Bless You Baby. He said, uh, I want you to go and sing in the booth and I want you to sing it. And we'll put the words right in front of you. And I want you to sing with the melody. And I heard the song. So automatically I put my melody to it. And he was like, whoa, you know. Wow. And, you know, ever since then, I, I got bitten by the bug. As I got older and I got in school, I met friends. And I'd get over and, and maybe harmonize with them. And they said, oh, this guy can sing. So, you know, I get in there and harmonize. Next thing you know, we had a group. And then we were singing in community centers all over the Bronx. And it was just great, you know. As I got older, you know, I finished high school and I went to college. I went to Bronx Community College. I was a math tutor and I met this gentleman by the name of uh, Paul Simons. Okay. Not, not the Paul Simon, but Paul Simons. Okay. <laughs> okay. And he was a singer and he said, you sing? I said, yeah. He said, well, I, I got a group, blah, blah, blah. You know, that we were trying to put together. You interested? I said, yeah. Cause he was a student there too. And then next thing you know, we got with a couple other guys, a couple of guys and we started singing and uh, the chemistry was right. We started singing. We started uh, doing shows and stuff like that. And I met Harris Punyon, P-U-N-Y-O-N. This guy was incredible. He was only, he's probably around the same age I was when I started high school. He 
he was like 16 or 17, but he was a genius. Wow. Moving right along. Some professional people heard us. Uh, one one uh, manager heard us. He liked the way we sounded and he liked my voice in particular. He said, oh, Richie sounds good because I did a song by Stevie Wonder. You are the sunshine of my life. Oh, wow. They asked him, he said, well, what did you like about the group? He said, Richie, man, he got a great voice. I liked it. Can we put that record out? <laughs> oh, wow. And then Paul jumped in and said, no, nah, the song is already out. Stevie Wonder did it. So, <laughs> so that's sort of like, you know, cut him down, right? So he said, I don't care, but I like the way Richie sings. And then, Anyway, uh, moving right along. <laughs> From there, we did a show at, at the Apollo. Oh, wow. Called Silk Satin. And everybody loved our, our song. We did covers of Earth, Wind & Fire. I bet everyone loved it. Oh, they were bugging out. Um, so so what it was, that uh, you know, I, right then and there, I said, wow, this is great. And we came in, I believe we came in first. <gasps> Not first, or second. One of the, I know we were on top of the heap. Wow. And they were bugging out. The women were screaming like crazy. <laughs> Okay, so so after that, they introduced me to a few people. Paul Simon knew uh, Leroy Burgess. Uh, Leroy Burgess knew Jorge Barrero. He was the co-writer with me with Rock Your World. Oh, okay. So then after that, we were taken down to the studio to meet Patrick Adams. Patrick Adams was the one that made Push, Push in the Bush. So what happened was he heard my voice. He said, uh, who wrote the songs? He said, Richie and and, and, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he, he separated us. He said, well, Richie, uh, let me let me see what you can do. So I went in the studio and I did a couple of vocals for him and and and, and showed him what I did in terms of musically. And he said, oh, this is great. So he separated me from the group and he said, I'm going to put you in the studio and I'm going to pay for everything. You're just going to go in and put down your 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 ideas. And I said, OK. Oh, my gosh. I must have did about hmm, maybe 15, 20 different songs. Wow. Right. And they're all on, on two inch tape. What happened was. He told me that he would take care of it, but he got so busy with the other artists. He didn't have time for that. Okay. So it just sat there, you know? Wow. Meanwhile, I uh, was continuing school. I was working in the post office at the same time. I was doing a lot of things, writing separate songs and producing different groups and stuff like that. And then next thing I know, Sal Soul Records called me and said, you're Richie Weeks? I said, yes. We'd like for you to come down and bring some of your songs with you. I hear they're very great. So apparently I, I think it was Patrick that did that. And they gave me an appointment and everything. So I went down there and I went into the office, the major office. And I met with Glenn LaRusso and Ken Carey. And when I went in there, he said, all right, play your stuff. So I gave him the cassette and he listened to it and he said, wow, this is great stuff. He said, okay, so what do you want? He said, excuse me, what do you want? I, I don't understand the question. Uh, <laughs> how much do you want? I said, I don't know. I mean, I said, yeah, I have no idea. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, right. So he said, well, we're going to sign you. I said, oh, my goodness, in my, in, inside, in my brain. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is this, is this real? He said, yeah, we're going to sign you. So we want you to go in and get, get the studio. Go get the, where the tapes at. I said, the tapes are over in different studios. Okay, find out where the tapes are. And we're going to buy them from these people. They bought all the masters. And then they said, okay, finish up the songs. I went into right track recording, which is down on 40 something street in Manhattan. And we started the process of the jammers and I did an album on the jammers. I did an album on weeks and company. I also went in and did stuff for this group called instant funk. And I, I did about maybe four or five different groups. I, I was just doing so much stuff. I didn't know what to do. Well, when I did rock your world, I was overseas. I did England, France, Germany, Holland. They asked me to stay. I told them I can't do that. They didn't know I was in the post office. Oh. I said, no, no, I can't do that. I said, I'm committed. I so, have a job I have to go back to. Yeah, so that was nice. I got some some uh, great ideas over there. And 
And I met a lot of people and I ended up uh, coming back to States and, you know, just basically working in the post office, uh, listening to Rocky World on people's radios and stuff like that. It, it was just great. I mean, I, I just had it immense for me. I, I didn't expect that. I just can't believe the life you have lived and the stories and the tales. And I have to say, one of the most impressive things of all of this to me is that you still remember every single person's full name, like yeah. first and last. I mean, I can't yeah. even remember someone's name I met last week. And this is like 40 something years ago. Yeah. Decades of your life. You still remember all of these people so vividly, but I mean, yeah. just wow. The stories, I mean, we're only at the intro here and we just have like the story of your life that is so vivid and interesting and exciting yeah. and so also uniquely New York. I yeah. can't even imagine all of the stories you could give us. So that was just a perfect intro into who you are and how it all got started and the Apollo. I mean, I feel like that could be, that's a whole episode. Okay. So, but we have to, we have to go on to the usual forms of the show. So we'll, okay. we'll move into those now, but I'm sure everything will just be honestly epic. So let's just start with our first question, which is always, when did you move to New York? Okay. I moved to New York when I was born. I was born in, after I left the Phoenix, I was in, in New York. Okay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Another born and raised New Yorker. I love it. I love it. So you were born here. You don't have to tell us what year. So that's totally fine. Okay. But you grew up in the Bronx, right? In the Bronx. Yes. Did you love growing up in the well, city? Did you always want something else? Well, you know what it was. I mean, I was born in, in I guess, not utter poverty, but I was born in, in the South Bronx. So, you know, I had to do with what I had, you know. Sure. That's the hand that was dealt to me. So, I mean, it were good times and bad times. I guess everybody goes to that, you know. Sure. And it was a learning experience. It was a learning experience. It taught me a lot. I noticed that you just have to keep doing what you're doing. And I think what you're saying is true is that like you, you had the hand you were dealt and you had to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, exactly. And I think we can say with a complete confidence that you found a way to make it work. Absolutely. The second question is always, why did you move to New York? But we know obviously you were born here and your family was here, but did they have a long history here? Yes. My, my mother was born in New York. Wow. Father was born in Puerto Rico. Okay. They say, hey, let's have a, let's have a baby son. And then here I are. And here I am. you are. <laughs> did you guys always live in the Bronx or did you ever move around when you got older? Did you always stay there? Oh, yeah. I, I moved uh, from the Bronx to Queens. And then from there, I moved back to uh, New Jersey. From New Jersey, I went to Florida. The classic New York move. Yeah. And then from Florida, when the <laughs> pandemic came, I said, let me get out of here. So I, I left that and came back to New York. <laughs> Good for so you. I, I wasn't nomadic, but I was moving around quite a bit, you know? I don't know. I'm just imagining so many questions I could ask about the disco era of the 70s and early 80s. And oh, I, yeah. I'm assuming there's Studio 54 peppered in there or something. Oh, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> did, I did all the major clubs in New York. I did Studio 54, uh, The Garage, Fun House, Bonds International, just knowing the history you've had in this city, I have to ask you the most important question of the show, which I think is going to be a good one, but that is, Richie, what is the most fun you've ever had in New York? The most fun I ever had in New York, to me, that really knocked me out, knocked me over, was the fact that here I am, just a little guy coming up with some musical ideas, and I meet the biggies, the guys that industry people like Patrick Adams, Leroy Burgess, Luther Vandross, Chuck wow. Khan. Oh my gosh. In person. And they did a show with Luther Vandross on stage with Luther Vandross. It was in the studio with Chuck Khan. Uh, these are all people that I actually hugged and, you know, and worked with. Wow. So I, I could go on for days. I've, I've done so much. 
that that I really couldn't say they all did a job on me. You know, I just it was just a fascinating situation. I think that's, you know, the story. It doesn't have to be some, you know, very specific only one night thing. I mean, it's your most fun story. And and here's the story is this kid who grew up in the Bronx who didn't imagine any of these things happening to him, which is right. Right. And that it all just became your life. And like you're saying, you're yes. here with these people that you idolized and you're just like, this is who I am now. Yes. I'm working at the post office by day, but I am. You can't say it any better than that. You're doing a great <laughs> job. No, you did. I mean, you're, you're you said <laughs> it wonderfully. I mean, it's just the history of you living in this city. And I, I like to believe because I love New York so much that that probably couldn't have happened to you anywhere else. You know, if no. you were like a little kid That's who right. grew up in Idaho or, you know, I don't know, say it, you might not have been the same thing, but that idea and those opportunities and growing up in this town yeah. turned, you know, your, your dreams into reality. I love it. I, I think it's great. And to add to that, yeah. the fact of the matter is that I stayed in the post office for 30 years while I was doing it. I have to say you are my second postal employee, and I have found that they are excellent storytellers. So I don't know if there's something in the water uh, at the United <laughs> States Postal Service or something. I, I did. I, I had fun. And the funny part about it is when I was working in the post office, after I finished work, I'd call to the place and they'd send a limo to pick me up right in front of the post office. The limo <laughs> would be parked right in front of the post office. And, and once I finished my tour, I do go down there and jump in, in, into my limo. And of course, everybody wanted to get in there with me. So I had like 11 to 10 people just pile in and we rode down to the, the garage and and I brought them inside. And and I asked the guy at the garage, I said, I got my people with me. He said, no problem. Take them to the back. So I, they went back into my dressing room and yeah, this is great. It was just fantastic, you know. Oh my gosh, I I love just the picturing that of you being like, oh guys, I gotta leave work now at the post yeah. office and the limo picking you up. It's such a scene. Yep. I just love uh, everything about your history and your stories and your background and the incredible music that you've made. Everyone needs to go. Honestly, just like go in your apartment and have a dance party right now. Pull up Richie Weeks on Spotify, have a dance party. Think about his life through the years of growing up in the Bronx and what he's become. And we're so lucky that all this music has come out to us. And I'm so lucky to have had you, but I have to ask you my last and final question of the show. And that is, what is your favorite thing about New York City? My favorite thing about New York City is that Anytime we get in a situation where like we have to come together, like something very serious happens, yeah, man, we, we, we're there. We meet it head on, you know, like, yo, this is us. And we're still doing it. No matter what kind of problems or tribulations, child, you know, trials and tribulations come along, we're there. We can handle it. Okay. We are a very strong city, very powerful. And that's what I love about it. Cause I was born in the most powerful city to me on the planet. I, I love it. You are. 100% correct. 100% That's right. right. That's yes, right. I yeah. mean, and you're making me tear up a little bit. <laughs> you're just thinking <laughs> about that's what it, you know, it's kind of like we're strong people. And at the end of the day, I think we're all there for each other. That's right. When the rubber meets the road, you know, that's it. We help each other out. I think that's a great answer. And this, this city is fantastic. It's a fantastic city. It's a melting pot, but it's so beautiful about it. It's not just a melting pot. It's a canvas with paint on it. And there's different colors of paint and it just gets more lively and more beautiful as the, as the years go on. So, so poetic and so beautiful. I love it. I'm tearing up again. I love that. It's a wonderful answer. You can tell 
what this town has meant to you and what you've given this town and the music we have to um, have fun to forever, I must say. So thank you so much for being on the show. I love talking to you. I love hearing your stories. Thank you. But most importantly, thanks, New York. They had fun. Oh, yeah. Thank you, New York. I'm supposed to be retired. I'm still working. (laughs) 